Hi, I'm Gareth Kane. Welcome to the Net Zero Business Podcast. Okay, today I'm joined by Dr. Paula Owen, founder and chief fun officer of EcoAction Games, which is the UK's first eco-educational accredited B Corps. She also runs Green Gumption, a sustainability agency. Paula's PhD is in climate science. She recently won the Creative Women Platform Excellence Award in Sustainability, and she also has a sideline in writing historical fiction. So I think you're the first polymath we've had on the on the pod so far, but welcome, Paula. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. So, you know, that's quite a CV already, but when did you first get involved in sustainability? I think in sustainability proper, in the kind of the wider use of the term, must have been, um, so my background is, is climate science. And so I started off looking at trying to educate people about climate change. But this was back in the mid 90s. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't really known as a as a worry and as a concept in the wider population then. So my first professional roles after kind of academia were around educating people about climate change. So that wasn't really sustainability. I think my first venture into the complex world of sustainable development was when I joined Forum for the Future back in the late 90s when they just formed it. Um, mm -hmm. Jonathan Orrit and Sarah Parkin had just formed it. So that was where I realised the even more complexity of, of sustainability rather than just kind of environmental concerns. So, uh, yes, that's that's where my journey started. So what was your role at Forum for the Future? Oh, it was to create a database. At the time, you have to think that the internet wasn't a, an information and knowledge powerhouse back then. And so it was to create a database of sustainability and practice, examples of sustainability and practice, because, of course, at the time, sustainable development, sustainability was quite a, a new term as well. And we were creating that on a speedy rom would you believe? <laughs> the internet at the time couldn't couldn't hold and deliver a a database and search engine on such issues. So yes, that's what we were challenged to do back in the day. So when I first met you, I remember you producing this deck of playing cards to provoke conversations about sustainability. So, you know, you've got your climate science background and then obviously there's an educational role and then compiling case studies from the future. How did you get to this idea of gamification? Because at that point, I don't think I'd come across gamification for sustainability at all. It didn't exist mm -hmm. I think, at that time. So I moved from the Forum for the Future to the Energy Saving Trust. So my focus turned to energy, energy saving renewable energy, and latterly, carbon, carbon emissions, carbon savings. And so I was seconded into, into DEFRA at the time. This was before DEC, Department of Energy and Climate Change, was created. I was seconded into government to create the UK's first carbon calculator for the domestic sector. Mm -hmm. It was part of this, you may remember it, Act on CO2. Yes, campaign. yes. It was a broad government campaign to try to educate people about climate change and carbon emissions and carbon footprinting. That's, this is in the kind of uh, 
the early days of, of, mm-hmm. of all of that when people didn't understand what it was, why carbon, carbon dioxide was a problem. It was just something you put into drinks to make them fizzy. You know, what harm could that have? So I was experimenting with with different tools to try to educate, and the and the Acton CO two carbon calculator was one of those tools, and it, it it was immensely popular. It was done in a a kind of a fun way. It was a cartoon kind of uh, website, and where we we led people through a series of questions, quite a few questions, to get the information we needed out of them, so then we could calculate the carbon footprint. And I was also interested in other ways of educating people of trying to get people to change their behaviors that weren't all gloom and doom they weren't based in guilt tripping finger wagging and if you do if you don't stop doing this that or the other the polar bears are going to get it because of course you can guilt trip a certain percentage of the population into doing things but not the vast majority they just turn off from the messaging so I was kind of looking around for other ways to get the message across. And that, that is the genesis of me stumbling on the idea of taking a simple, well-known, in the UK at least, popular game, such as Top Trumps, mm-hmm. and using its game mechanic and its unexpected consequence. So it, I assume you play Top Trumps as a... a yes, oh, absolutely. Yep. <laughs> and the thing about the game, it's very simple, really. It's just it's one number bigger than the other number, and the biggest number wins. But because they're always on a theme, you accidentally under- get to understand more about the theme you're playing on. So for me, it was dinosaurs, Formula One cars, things like that. And... It, in particular, Formula One cars. I wasn't at all interested in cars or Formula <laughs> One. But I gained a lot of knowledge about Ferraris and Lamborghinis and which was the best kind of 0 to 60, uh, <laughs> bigger engine, that kind of thing. So it's just a simple, easy way to get people to take in information kind of yeah. accidentally. So that that's where it started. And I'd left the Energy Saving Trust by then and set up my own small sustainability agency but i was i just had some time on my hands so i thought i'd and i was well versed in in calculating carbon emissions at that time so i thought it would be a fun idea to try to create a top trumps type game but using and in particular energy actions that people could do at home that would save energy save money and save carbon emissions and so that's where it started yeah. So that came first. And then because I it was successful in, in, in weird ways, these these cards, I thought I'd just produce them and somebody would sponsor me to produce them in bulk and give them to schools, for example. Yeah. But that didn't quite happen. But I showed them to a few of the clients I was working with at the time. And one of those clients was a very big bank, an international bank. And they just loved the idea, but not to give me lots of money so I could give them to schools, but for them to co-brand them, give them to their employees as a kind of staff engagement around Mm -hmm. climate change and and, and sustainability. So that got me started in the area. And then I started hearing and reading about this thing called gamification that had been initially successful in areas like health and fitness 
and yeah. financial sector in terms of teaching people uh, kind of financial literacy. And I just thought, well, this seems to work. This as a simple game seems to work to get people who would not be otherwise interested in maybe a kind of a, a PowerPoint lecture on, on climate change and carbon emissions. But if you give them a game, put a bit of competition in there, it seems to work. So that's what started my interest in gamification. And then, of course, I was asked to write the short book about it in the, the Do Short series, and yeah. it went from there. Yes. We ended up as unexpected co-authors because they combined one of my books with one of yours and somebody, a third author as well. To, okay, uh, a little kind of uh, anthology of, of do shorts. Yes. <laughs> so basically, I, I suppose you were discovering that for a lot of people, sustainability is too stodgy. It's a bit po-faced. And, you know, we, we always get these terrible cliches of, the, you know, the, the hands cupping a little sapling on the, on the website which I hate. I, I have a. I hate that image with an absolute passion. So, how far do you think gamification can go, or does it have to be combined with other things, or is it horses for courses in terms of the the audiences you're you're using it with? Well, Lena, your request for this podcast led me back to rereading the book. <laughs> I, hadn't, I hadn't touched it for a, for a long time. It came out in 2013, so it's a yeah. decade more um, old. And it was fascinating rereading it because at the time I was just throwing out there the ideas that we might be able to use gamification in sustainability. It, might, it's, 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 it would be, a at the time, um, a innovative new way of trying to engage people mm -hmm. and he was I was smiling to myself as I was reading the book uh just the other day that a lot of the things I was talking about then and so oh, maybe this would work now we take we kind of take for granted I I see it all over the place the the elements of of game so if I just give you a quick definition of, of there's lots of definitions of of gamification yeah. but at its essence, the idea of gamification, which is an awful term, by the way, I've never liked it, but it's the term that everybody uses now. Mm. It's taking the elements of what makes games, real games, social games, online games, taking the elements of what makes them fun, rather addictive, makes people want to come back, makes people work together for some of the games mm. in a club base or makes people a little bit com uh, competitive so it makes them come back more and more it's taking all of those elements that make games so popular and applying them to non-game situations whether it be your health whether it be fitness i mean the big example of where it's done tremendously well is in the idea of you know the fitbit the the wearable yeah. gadgets and so it, that's all gamified you know it's totally yes. gamified be in competitions with with your friends and family you level up to new levels you so that's a perfect example of how it's worked so well yeah so back a decade ago we didn't see that kind of activity in the environmental and the sustainable area and sector but now it's everywhere you yes. obviously 
it's kind of leaderboards for things and kind of working in teams against each other to to top that leaderboard and then challenges and pledging and leveling up and yeah. putting things together to so it's I think it's it's just permeated. People won't know that they are using elements of gamification, I think. Yeah. It's just they work and people are familiar with them because so many people play simple games, online games, social games, mass mass online games. So it's just another tool. It's it's not a silver bullet or um but it it I think it's really helpful to widen participation to bring people in yeah and hopefully educate them on something and even more hopefully get them to change even if it's just one little thing yeah. about the way they look then they are on that road so it's yeah. it's embedded now i think it's, yeah it brings a lot of peer pressure together when cuz i've i've seen it work with teams you know different departments in say a law firm all having to to see how much energy they can save and obviously nobody wants to let the side down because, you know, even if it's a nominal prize at the end of the day, I think we are naturally competitive and, you, you know, we, we follow team sports for a reason, don't we? Uh, the biggest sports in the world are almost all team sports. You know, it does make people pull that, that way in. So, you know, we talked about the top Trump playing cards. How is your, are, are you still doing the top Trump playing cards or, uh, you know, have you diversified into other forms of gamification? Uh, absolutely, we've got. Uh, so we started with with one theme, which were, was energy based, but now we've got eight themes. So we we try to cover the the the, the gamut of environmental sustainability with, with our. We changed the name from. We were Eco Action Trumps until twenty sixteen. Yeah, and then something happened across the pond, which made me think I cannot have my lovely environmental game. <laughs> I didn't yeah. think of that. <laughs> so we now call it Eco Action Toppers because we're always looking for top value, which is the top yeah. saving. And so we have, we, I've, I've tried to, over the years, expand to cover the whole gamut of environmental sustainability. So we look at, obviously, energy, but we also look at water. We look at food. We look at waste and recycling. We look at things you can do in the office. Um, we look at eco families. You know, if you've got a growing family, so I'm hoping now there's there's something for every and there's free and easy uh, actions. So for kids and students to do that aren't they're not going to cost you anything. They're more habitual. And then I got the bug um, to uh, develop more. So it, to begin with, I was always trying to re-engineer an existing game because you've got to be careful. It's really, really hard to create a new game and make it kind of fun and easy to play. So to begin with, I was looking out for existing games that we, everybody knows. They've either played in the past or they're playing now with their kids and grandkids. So that there's that familiarity, which is which is useful because that there's no barrier there to entry. Yeah. But then just to, just putting that eco messaging into it somehow so with with a game like top trumps it's all about numbers so if you if you like numbers and facts and stats this is great because you, you you've got loads of numbers to learn and and you can you know impress or bore your friends with um 
carbon saving numbers and <laughs> that. But then some people don't like that. So we we came up with various versions of snakes and ladders, and in particular, giant size snakes and ladders. So at events and kind of outreach and things like that, you'd have this giant snakes and ladder board. And of course, you go with the game mechanic there of sorry snakes but snakes are bad so snakes are the bad habits and ladders are are good so if you land on a ladder you read out to everybody what that ladder says which is you know you're doing something good what whatever theme you might be um learning about and then of course if you land on a snake you've got this bad habit that you have to read out to everybody yeah and that is immensely pop you know that's the simplest and one of the oldest games in the world yes Um, uh, but it's you know, its origins are in its game of life. It's to show people that, you know, good things happen and bad things happen and that's just life. And so you can take that that idea and make it the kind of an environmental educational tool. Yeah. And people love it, especially because they are the counter. So they're really, they are involved yeah. in the game. They are the game because they're the counter. Yeah. Something. So things like that. And the other, the other one that I've, had a lot of success with was kind of pinched a little bit from play your cards right do you remember yeah. yes <laughs> the, the, the the game and mechanic there is is very simple it's higher or lower yeah so done with that is again using things like carbon emission savings or energy savings or water savings or food footprints and it started out as a as a re, in real life card game. So you've got actions that save an amount of say carbon, mm-hmm. and there's another action that saves an amount of carbon. And the audience or the competitors have to guess whether the second action has a higher or lower carbon saving than the action that goes before. So it works exactly like the um, play cards right for show, but it's it's really great because for teams because you play against each other. So teams play against each other and they they have to come up with a an answer. And the conversations it starts within that team when they're trying to work out whether one action is going to save more or less carbon or water or whatever it is. It's really fascinating because it starts our conversation within our team. You yeah. as the kind of facilitator, the Brucey, doesn't have to <laughs> do anything because they they strike up those conversations. And so what I did with that game... We'll probably have to explain to younger listeners and watchers <laughs> that Bruce Forsyth was the was the famous uh, host of uh, Play Card Time. So just before we go, I wanted to pick up on something um, before I forget, because it, it, it started when you were talking about the snakes and ladders, about the person being the counter and having to make the move and how that sort of got a, a bit more of a almost an emotional connection. And then when you're talking about those discussions within the team of whether they're going to go higher or lower, I'm a big believer myself in that um, the way you engage people in sustainability is by definitely sort of immersing them in it rather than one-way conversation, that the more they're actually involved, and I know it sounds a bit tree-huggy, oh, it has to be a two-way discussion, all the rest of it, but I mean really making people think 
about what they need to, why they need to act, what they need to do and how they need to do it. So that seemed to be a, a theme that was coming out of your different examples there, that the best ones seemed to be where people were having to, you know, truly immerse themselves in the game and therefore in the world of sustainability. Would that be fair? Yeah. And there's no teaching from a third party involved. Yeah. Because it's all there in the game. And, you know, if it's a game where there's two te two teams against each other, I just stand back when I'm facilitating the kind of the higher lower game in real life. I just stand back and just listen to the kind of, you know, the conversation on the what happens is a lot of personal experience comes out there when they're arguing whether they think it's higher or lower and when there's a disagreement within the group with what they're going to go for their reasoning behind where why they think one action will have a higher positive uh, effect than another and it's, it, it is it's just fascinating it's a it's a really great it's great because it gets the energy up and if you're doing a day's worth of sustainability training or something like that yeah. you know the these kind of games are great because they just get the energy back in the room. You can do a chalk and talk session, but then you say, okay, we go into see how much you've learned by playing the that particular theme yeah. of the game. And so that really cements it in their heads. Well, if they want to cement. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so, you know, it, it, it's just, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And it seems, it, it, it works. Yeah. Uh, you know, not for everyone. Some people really don't like playing games. Well, that's what I was um, going to ask. Have you ever had a really tough audience who just would not would not play ball? Not not a tough audience because in the if you've got an audience, then it's going to be a very small minority that's oh, I I never played games as a kid. I'm yeah. not playing games. You know, blah blah blah. That's a very small minority, but they are there. I know I have come across people, you know, when we've been doing events where they're kind of walkthroughs and kind of yeah. trying to engage people, you know, trying to come, you know, try your try your luck, try your skills on and you go, like, oh gosh, no, no. It's a game. They for kids. I don't play games. But that is very a very small number of people, interestingly. Yeah. What other challenges have you faced in uh, you know promoting Gamif or well sustainability in general, but I suppose gamification yeah. in particular. I don't use the term if I can help it. Yeah, uh, I never use that term. If I need to talk to someone who I think will understand what it is, I'll just shorthand is. Oh, I'm I'm trying to sort of you know, use gamification to do this, but otherwise, I just talk about these are environmental educational tools disguised as games, a bit like Transformers, robots in disguise. So I, I I think people well, it's known now as a, as a term, isn't it? But in the in the early days, nobody knew what it meant, and it's a bit of a horrible word. So um, that was that would have been a challenge until I learned not to talk about gamification. <laughs> yeah. um, First rule of gamification <laughs> is not to talk about gamification. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just talk about games as a as a as a really useful tool. Uh, I've had a lot of success in, in councils, you know, when councils, councils tools, they need kind of just different ways to get the whole of society involved in, in the messaging. So, yeah, and you'd never talk about gamification there. It's just 
an engagement tool, another engagement tool that um, brings, and it's multi-generational. So that's another positive aspect. If you're working in communities and you're working, families come along, done quite a few kind of outdoor festivals uh, where we have where we have these giant versions of all of our games, even the card games, and then families come along and they they play together and they're learning together. And you know the kids sometimes are embarrassing the parents by saying, "Oh, you do that." And the mother's like, "No, <laughs> I'm always doing my recycling." But to other challenges, I guess in some areas it's been taken seriously as a educational and behavioural change device, tool. But I don't think so much nowadays. People get it. And so many people play silly games on their phones to waste hours and hours of the job. You know, there isn't that kind of like, oh, games. But Mm -hmm. these just the kids. I get that less and less because people just naturally get the idea nowadays yeah so obviously having a phd in climate science you know the scale of the problem it's interesting how you you jump from that to gamification and being chief fun officer it's a uh, heavy burden sometimes because especially in the early days of doing this i i always had something at the back of my head the thought oh gosh i hope People don't think I'm trivialising the the issue uh, because it is the, the 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 biggest existential threat we we have. And here's me trying to kind of you know inject some fun and and laughter and kind of competition into this. And um, so that always used to worry. It worries me less nowadays, but it's still there because of course the the, the threat and the severity of of the of uh, the situation in terms of climatic change is just getting worse and worse and so here i am still a fan officer trying to get people to um take action through having a bit of fun with the topic um so it, it is there is a bit of attention but we have to get people on board and involved and educated and if it takes a little bit of light-hearted gameplay then so be it if I, if I could go off on a bit of a tangent, uh, you know, I, I mentioned the introduction that you're or B Core or Eco Action Games is a B Core. How have you found that? We've been B Corp since 2019, so it was quite early on. At the time, there were less than 200 of us in the UK. Now, with thousands and thousands, isn't it? It's kind of it's really expanded and quickly. I found the process of becoming a B Corp in the first instance. It was really arduous. I had to, I gave up twice because it was just so arduous. But that I think has changed a lot yeah. in these. And I've been, I've been, I've been through one renewal. You have to go through it every three years. So mm. I went through a renewal and I was dreading it. But it was much easier than I, I imagined it would be. And so when when we first got the status, um, the accreditation, it, again, nobody knew what it was. You had yeah. to explain, oh, we're a B Corp, blank stairs. But but now I think the trajectory of, of people knowing what a B Corp, well, vaguely what a B Corp is, and yeah. what it means is is amazing. So that that's good. In the, it, in the early days, it didn't have much of an effect because – 
so few of us had it and people didn't understand what it meant so didn't yeah. value it. but now it's kind of you know it, it's gone it's useful it, it's a shorthand isn't it when i say to people oh we're you know we've been a we're a b, b corp and we yeah. have been for five years people all of a sudden you get that kind of automatic respect and people it's a shorthand for these guys are are kind of ethical and they know what they're doing and they're doing things for the right reasons so it's it, it, it's, it's useful from mm. that perspective good, good. i'm just always interested because there are obviously a, a whole raft of different you know accreditations and things that uh, businesses comply for and sometimes choosing the right one for them is a bit yeah. of a challenge yeah there's a lot of noise out there isn't there yeah um I'm. I haven't been tempted with any of the other, the others. I. I. I'm glad I went through it because it was very rigorous. Yeah, <laughs> it was too rigorous in the early days. So, but at least it means something, and I just hope they don't dilute it. Yeah, um, because it is the gold. Uh, I. I don't know what you think, but I think it, it is the gold standard of what's out there in terms of accreditation. Yeah. Um, so, well, that might be the answer to my next question, which is what was your proudest moment, you know, in this trajectory from, you know, testing the water and on with your top trumps through to what you do today? What's the, the, the crowning glory, the one that makes you smile inwardly? Gosh, that, that, that's harder to answer than you'd imagine. I, I'm proud that I, I feel vindicated that this was a whim of mine that was worth pursuing and yeah. has kind of entered the the, the sector as a, a as something that people just do now they don't think about oh you know is this a flash in the pan or is this actually worth worth its salt um so i'm 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 proud of that and the fact that well, we're still going after 10, 11 years. And, it, you know, yeah. the COVID times, it was rocky. So I'm proud we're still here. And, yes, and, and, and B Corp status was, was, I finally got it, was uh, a proud moment. So, uh, yes, yeah, so I think it's just the vindication of the idea. Yeah, the idea was a good one. And you've proven it in, in practice. Yeah. And if, if you were speaking to somebody you know, who who had an idea of how to engage people better in sustainability, or you could go back in time to to talk to your your younger self, what what advice would you give? Just plow on. Don't don't listen to the naysayers. Don't <laughs> listen to the uh people that go, oh, they never work. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of that, isn't there, when you you, yeah. you try something new. Just yeah, just plow on. You know, you can only fail, but with yeah don't listen to the naysayers just be positive and if you believe in it other people will too excellent well that was fantastic thank you paula you know i, I just love your your enthusiasm and the fact that you you know you had that idea and it was before its time and you did ply forward with it and made it a success so thank you very much for joining us today and sharing all that wisdom thank you for inviting me it's been fun as it should be, given this is 
<laughs> gamification. And you're chief fun officer, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you find this episode of the podcast interesting, please do me two wee favours. First of all, give it a five-star rating to help others find it as well. And secondly, subscribe via your usual podcast provider so you'll get every episode into the future. Mm-hmm.